Welcome to Saints and Sinners Unplugged. I am Ken Jones, joined by our regular three co-hosts. We have David Menendez, not Jimenez. He was only <laughs> with us the last time. And Aldo Leon and uh, Jose Prado. Uh, as we are working our way through the first 21 questions in the Heidelberg Catechism, we are brought to Lord's Day 4. So, Jose, would you read for us question Nine and ten. I think they probably can go together. Yeah. This uh, question is, but doesn't God, but doesn't God do us inju- an injustice by requiring in His law what we are unable to do? And here's the answer: No. God created human beings with the ability to keep the law. They, however, provoked by the devil, in willful disobedience, robbed themselves and all their descendants of these gifts. And then question 10 states, does God permit such disobedience and rebellion to go unpunished? Here's the answer. Certainly not. God is terribly angry with the sin we are born with, as well as the sins we personally commit as a just judge. God will punish them both now and in eternity, having declared, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the things written in the book of the law. Okay, let's start to unpack that. I know some of this we've already covered to some degree, but I think this helps us to kind of flesh it out. But is God unjust? And Paul actually raises that question in the Mm. book of Romans. Mm. Is God unjust because he requires of his image bearers that which they are not able to do? Now, first, let's look at that category because some people will substitute unjust with another word, which is... Unfair. Exactly. <laughs> now, I think that's a category leap. Hmm. You know, it's a, it's a postmodern category, perhaps. I don't know. Well, <laughs> the reason... We know. We know we're yeah, we're because fair yeah. and just yeah. are not necessarily interchangeable. Yeah. So Paul raises the question in terms of justice. So yeah. is God just in what he requires of image bearers that are not able to do what he has required them to do. And if he remains just in doing so, why? I want to say that righteousness is the, is the way that God runs the world, the universe, the cosmos. And, and once you start breaking that down and you go to the first Adam and then you launch eschatologically to the last Adam, uh, righteousness is the way that God runs this world, will vindicate it, will establish it, will recreate it, will redeem it in righteousness. So he's always asking and demanding in, uh, of us uh, what is according to his character, and it's the way his administration for the world. Hmm. Okay. So therefore, what, he, what, what makes him just in his demands of his image bearers. That he created a federal head of humanity of, of whom he demanded, him being capable by way of creation of executing that righteousness and living in the world that God created and that God designs for us to live in in righteousness. So what we had mentioned in one of the previous shows that everything that God requires of us now Adam was capable of in creation. That's right. So, and we should do even after the fall. Mm-hmm. 
we're still obligated to it under after the fall. Which, to me, that presupposes the great need to talk about federal headship. I think one of the dangers, and we kind of discussed this a little bit off the air, uh, how many churches, even Reformed churches, shrink away from the language or the construct of covenants. Mm. So it doesn't it doesn't filter in to how we talk about the scriptures or uh, we talk about our salvation. But I think this is one of those areas where it shows why it's necessary, because what God requires of Adam is what he requires of all of us. And so Adam, as our federal Mm -hmm. head, failed us. Yeah. So if we don't have that category of a federal head, it would seem that God is unjust in asking us to do what we're not able to do. I think, too, something that's related to the conversation of, I think the reason why people don't see the Bible, don't see the covenantal necessity of relating to God in the Bible is because they have a weird view of the doctrine of God. So God being who he is in his transcendence, means that he can't have a natural relationship with us. Mm. It's, it's So, like, I have a natural relationship with my kids. I have a covenantal relationship with my wife. That's not by necessity. Right. It's by choice. So for God, who is eternal and infinite, to have a binding relationship with creation, it must be based upon him condescending in a covenantal arrangement where he chooses to connect with us through this condescending means of like a covenant arrangement where where he sets the terms he sets the pace and tone there's there's only one way that a god could relate to us um being who he is and we being who we are and it's not naturally it's covenantally so that's why you see that 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 theme of covenant right in the beginning and i heard it said one time i was like well there's no there's no word covenant in in the garden Mm -hmm. doesn't matter if i see a bunch of women over there drinking tea, I could assume it's a tea party, <laughs> even though it doesn't sound it says tea party because all the elements yeah. of that are there. Yeah. And so the doctrine of God will lead us to how is God going to relate to us? He doesn't have to relate to us. How, how, here's another question. How, how, can, how could God tell Adam that his obedience would kind of earn something? Mm. Earn what? God, that can, yeah. you can't earn something from the one who gives everything. Well, God condescends in a covenant relationship where he then sets terms that make sense that would never make sense apart from him initiating some some kind of arrangement like that. I think what you just said is rich in terms of connecting because this is what's missing among a lot of evangelicals reformed or otherwise but connecting God's covenantal dealings with man with with the image of God that's put in him because sometimes we we miss that as the middle piece yeah. we just assume that being created in God's image is enough but God still what he's done is he has created man to reflect some aspect of himself yeah. and then he has condescended in the form of a covenant arrangement that if you continue in this then I will reward you even more. So that it's it's not enough to just say that we are created in the image of God, but we are that that our bearing His image is connect. What connects us to Him 
is also the covenant arrangement that he has made. Yeah. And, and, and also, wouldn't you say that uh, even though uh, it is a condescension, it is not arbitrary? No. In other mm-hmm. words, it is not an arbitrary, artificial arrangement. It is a just arrangement. Mm-hmm. A covenant of works and the demand of righteousness is just. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. No, my, my, my mind just went blank, but I was oh. going to say it a second ago. <laughs> well, I forgot. I'm, I'm thinking in terms of why did God demand that? Was it mm. just a is, – is it the voluntarist approach where he could have demanded otherwise? He's mm-hmm. demanding exactly what is in keeping with his character. That's right. Yeah. That's why – that was my comment. If that's the way he runs this world, yes. the, the, the yep. world of God is righteousness, is holiness, is perfection. You know, now I remember what I was going to say. Um like Genesis is written obviously like to a, a particular like setting and um it was written in a setting where a lot of the, the gods had a natural relationship with their creation like mm-hmm. the gods birthed us mm-hmm. and and so when you we realize when you have a natural relationship with with someone you feel like you have a right to demand right so like mm-hmm. my kids because they have a natural relationship they're like <laughs> Gimme, 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 gimme. And so like this kind of natural relationship of we're, we're natural products of the gods is very different than Israel's God, the God, saying I have a covenantal relationship with mm-hmm. you. You can't naturally demand anything from me. I'm going to put the terms of the relationship. I'm going to put my demands. Uh, and I'm going to create this world that isn't by nature, but mm-hmm. my, my formal agreements that come from the freedom of my in myself character. That's very different hmm. than the natural. You know, and you kind of you kind of like notice that like people kind of come into this world, and they kind of talk to God like like he's their buddy or something naturally. Right. Mm. Um, no, God is always in a formal. He sets the terms, connection to him. He's he's got no boyfriend, homie. You know. Yeah. yeah. It is, it is, it is, it is, it is relational, but it is covenantally relational. Yes, no natural his, song, but one. That's yes, right. yeah. His, the Catechism his, was, addresses that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was going to say his yeah. natural buddies are called the Trinity. <laughs> yes, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. they yeah. they yeah. are with him and they are like him and they are eternal. That's what makes that's natural. Right. Well, it's what you, it's what Kevin said a few weeks ago uh, concerning man's perspective of God as being just you know a bigger version of us. Hmm. You know. Uh, whereas he's not just a bigger version of us; he's completely, he's completely above us. Yeah. He's completely outside of us. He's, hmm. you know, he, well, he and, and that speaks well, of the word the transcendency of God, right? Uh, he he's not like us at all. Yeah. Uh, you know, he he is above us. Yeah, yeah. We're missing that perspective, also, aren't yeah. we? Yeah. yeah. You know that that God that is holy, other holy, yeah. holy, holy. So I wonder if our lack of of transcendence and reverence. Well, there's another element to the, yeah. the, the question where it's or the answer where it says uh, that God is not, A, unjust to require of us what we could not do. And the reason for that is because our federal head, so I, I think um, it's incumbent upon us as ministers of the gospel to make sure that when we talk about humanity, it's not just one-on-one. It's not just me and God. It's, yeah. not, it's not individualism. Right. Uh, it is we, we stand as one as humanity. Right. Yeah. You know, you know, you know what's interesting is that if you, if you listen to the world, the whole world has covenantal imprints. 
Yeah. So like everyone in this table looks like somebody looks like why? Because somebody else. That's mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. Right. Um, we have more hair, less hair mm-hmm. um, because of somebody else. Everyone uh, in this room is was you were wealthier or broke because of who you were attached to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're um, still broke, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, taller, more athletic, not because of you, but because of mm-hmm. an attachment to someone else. Or even just, just think about like... Uh, you know, how a certain kind of president affects so many people. Yeah, the principal mm-hmm. representation uh, federal. Yes. Or, or, or yeah. you watch basketball or sure. football. One person gets a foul. The whole team is affected. Mm-hmm. Covenant headship is 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 all over the place. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah, not absolutely. It's not just right. like it's some right. forereign yeah. thing in the yeah. Bible. Yeah. Well, another thing is I think that we sometimes have this tendency to, to think that God created Jose Prado. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. right. It was like a it was like one mold, right? Mm-hmm. And then he created Ken Jones as right. like another mold. Right. Mm-hmm. But exactly. no, the reality is that God created humanity. Mm-hmm. Yes. One man, one man. and one woman. Wow. And, and 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 in that one man, we were all in there. Wow. You know. Yeah. Well, you know, I've I've preached this sometimes at funerals that mm-hmm. the awesome truth that's recorded in the Bible that as far as God is concerned, there's only two people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Adam and Jesus. And that's, that's, that's right. the, the Bible. Would, is, the Bible. Would is you say that's unique of, to Christianity? I mean, think. I think that's course. unique. Yeah. To think, think about. Think about the reality. <laughs> you know. Think about the reality that even like Eve yeah. came out of Adam. Yeah. Like when God yeah. said, you know, it's not good for man to be alone. Right. Yeah. And he and he decided yeah. to create a helper for him. He hmm. took. her her out of him mm-hmm. because we're all in Adam. You know, yes. He, so he, God is foreshadowing, foretelling that relationship with him will always be mediated mm. by a federal head. Just, just We cannot have unmediated, direct, mm-hmm. you know, access mm-hmm. and relationship, well, we, which is the God, saying and the slogans of today. Well, I have a personal relationship with God. We understand yeah. what people say, but... <laughs> well, just to go back to Aldo's, one of Aldo's sports analogies, you look at a team, basketball team, Every individual on that team has their own contract. Hmm. And we think that when we come before God, we all have our individual exactly. contract. Yep. But no, there's one contract mm-hmm. for all of humanity yep. and it's been broken in Adam. Yeah, yeah. Which, is why, which is why I was explaining to someone uh, recently, or it was yesterday, I think, that whenever um, ethics and perspectives and dynamics are dis- discussed in the in, Let's say new, for New Testament Christians, because um, we're, we're thinking about reality from a New Testament Christian perspective. Um, it's always a conversation about the kind of representative that you have. And then, in light of this person's headship, why this does this and does that. Almost every conversation in Scripture yeah. is explaining something about the person you're attached to, mm-hmm. which you need to understand that then drives everything else. So really, if you think about every every New Testament letter, it's really it's really about one person. Hmm. And how everybody is mm-hmm. recapitulated in one person. Which is why again meta narrative language is so important. The Bible is not 66 different stories. It's one story that's contained in 66 books. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I was thinking, you know, I was thinking too, just about federal headship. Just even look at like uh, what happens when like, uh, you know, a cop shoots a black 
person? What What does the community say? You did this to us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think, or even like we talk about Cubans and Cuba and our people. Mm-hmm. Well, why would you say that? Because there's like this intuitive solidarity, solidarity yeah. that where the one and is the many, the many, the one. Hmm. Um, three just mu- ev- all over the place. Three musketeers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and you know what's it? And, and and that also helps helps us understand all the wacky theology about Israel. Israel was about the many being understood in the in the ultimacy of the one. Mm. And the problem is that we, we, we think the many is about the many. Right. You know, but no, the many was always about the one. But but again, here's what, what why God is not unjust is because of that covenant relationship that he has with humanity represented beginning with, with Adam. But here's the second part of that, the, the second part of the answer. What is it that changed? If if Adam was created upright and with the ability to continue, notice the, 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 the second part of the answer, but man, by the instigation of the devil and his own willful disobedience, deprived himself of and all, all his posterity of those divine gifts. Hmm. So here's the idea that man is created with the capacity to be and do what God intended intended him to be and do but he, he was instigated by the devil was not forced mm, mm. so his action was not one of coercion right and it certainly wasn't one by nature what adam did was freely choose to disobey god even as he was influenced by Satan. You know, going back to our sports uh, analogies. Come on, man. <laughs> um, you know, Move uh, on. You know, when, when, when we're watching our football game on Sunday, you know, and then we have, uh, then we play uh, Monday morning quarterback, you mm-hmm. know, and we start thinking, well, man, you know, if that ref yep. wouldn't yep. have called that, that penalty mm-hmm. against us, you know, we, we man, we would have won the game, right? Yeah. Yep. It's so unfair. That that ref is so unjust, yep. right? But when that penalty actually goes for us, mm-hmm. then hey, that's then all part of the game. That's all part of the game. <laughs> right? Well, it's the Those same are the rules like, of the game. <laughs> like God created man yeah. in holiness and righteousness. Think about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he created us in his image. Yeah. And so everything that comes with that, all the blessings that God created Adam with, came in that he created humankind, all right, and all those blessings of being made in his likeness and image were in Adam. Yeah, mm. yeah. And had Adam not screwed it up, hmm. we would have all been benef- beneficiaries of those blessings that he gave to Adam, right. you know, yeah. and we wouldn't be complaining. Yeah. We wouldn't be calling God unjust, right. would we? Right, right. right? But and had we been there, we would have done the same yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and we, yeah, that's why he represents us so yeah, well. Yes. Yeah. Speak, speaking of Monday morning quarterbacking, yeah. sometimes we point the finger of, at Adam of what he should have done. Exactly. Not real, and, and of course, we're doing this from the vantage point of already being fallen. Sure. Yeah. So here he yeah. is in the moment without corruption, and he made a choice. Yeah. And that's where things change. His free choice led to our condition. Yeah. And it, le- and it led to question 10, God being terribly angry 
yes. about the sin we are born with and we personally yes. commit. In other words, God is not angry with me mm. about the sin of Adam. Right. That's, That's good. the source. That's, good. That's, That's good. the yeah. source of my sin. However, God is angry with me about my depravity, my corruption, and the sins that I personally commit for which I shall be judged. Yeah. Well, enough I, for Christ. I, th- I think our problem is that we... We have an op. We have an option um, to denounce our head, but we don't. We say, "Actually, I like that dude, and I want to go. I want to be. I want to be like my head." We don't say that, right? Um, and I think that's what seals the deal. Hmm. Is hmm. that we we don't renounce our bad head. We kind of like yeah. Yeah. We, we we champion his cause. Yeah, and uh, we and we love. Yeah. We love his. We love him. We'll we love this. Head. We love his quest for self deification, <laughs> right. and we think it's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. that's great. That's a great which, point. Which is why I. Yeah, I it's, it's not that we are kicking and screaming. Oh, no. against our, no. our our will to follow our first head. I, no, I, I often <laughs> return to Jonathan Edwards' definition of the will. He says the will is nothing more than the mind choosing. And the mind always chooses what it perceives to be of the highest good. So therefore, every action, and he says, our good, our perception of good is according to our nature. Hmm. Yeah. And so when we look at it, those things that we do, it's everything that we do is because we determine it to be in our best interest or we have an affection for it. So when we look at what we have an affection for, when we look at what we are inclined towards, mm-hmm. after the fact, it's like, wow, how yeah. could I? <laughs> we're guilty. We're guilty. Yeah, yeah, we're guilty. So therefore, God's condemnation of Adam has resulted in our being in a state of, of, of sin. So Adam's action led to a condition that produce, produces actions from us yeah. that reflect the, uh, the actions of Adam. Yeah. And that state is one that we're going to contend with our whole lifetime. Yes, yes. Yeah. We're not saved by ch- cha- getting rid of that state. No. But that <laughs> state gets covered, forgiven. You know? but, but I want to make a connection here because <laughs> sure. uh, in, in Romans 5... Paul makes this federal connection to Christ. And something that you've mentioned before, David, that our deeds, our good deeds, are the fruit of our union with Christ. I think before we can fully appreciate that, we have to understand that our continued resistance and rebellion is a fruit of our natural union with Adam. That's right. And I think that's true before we come to salvation and even afterwards. And even afterwards. That's a great point to emphasize. That also helps for us to talk about you know how we process both the cause of our sin and also the source of our sin and also like the solution cuz i think yep nowadays it's like well it's white people it's black people it's brown people it's 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 republican people it's this people it's like no it's you and adam yeah that's right yeah that's the problem yep yeah mm-hmm. doesn't matter what 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 mm-hmm. what and, s- and shape or size or color or category whenever someone's an adam there's problems and the only solution is not going to be politically, it's yeah. not going to be, yeah. you know, a, a, a hero <laughs> that's going to come up from an ethnic group. 
the only solution and the ability to deal with that reality yeah. is by being united to yeah. the last That's Adam. why James says that our wrath does not work the no. righteousness of God. And we're <laughs> well, seeing the wrath that of the more son. and more. Yeah. <laughs> the wrath of I God know, in my, Christ. It works in my house sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Temporarily. That's common yeah. grace. <laughs> yeah, it, it may get the grass cut on time. <laughs> It produces the righteousness of Aldo, not the righteousness of God. Oh, yeah. Precisely. No, but, but um, again, the idea that our actions, that, that Adam's actions were free. Hmm. And we are in bondage to, our na- to the nature that we've inherited from Adam right. until we've been set free by Christ. Now, I know uh, those from the Merrill uh, controversy and Thomas Boston in particular talked about the fourfold state of man. Man in creation, man in corruption. Is that a good book? Yes. (laughs) That's a great book. It's a great book. (laughs) Yeah? Yeah. The one by uh, Thomas uh, Boston. I've heard a lot about that, but I just never got excited to read it. It's excellent. Uh, But man in creation, man in corruption, man in regeneration, and then man in glorification. The state that's interesting Hmm. is man in redemption, where almost circumstantially, situationally, Hmm. we return to the state of creation. So our free choices to obey the will of God by virtue of our union with Christ, when we act situationally, we are acting in light of our new creation in Christ. So we are free to obey and free to not obey. But, of course, we are, we are still hidden in Christ. Right. So the consequences of the first Adam are 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 covered but our ongoing sanctification is a matter of us freely choosing to do the will of God because we've been set free from the bondage of our of our fallen I'm going to I'm going to be very I'm very thankful that we don't have free choice in heaven we can only choose yes. right and, and, and that's that's the the fourth state the fourth like, state yeah. so so in creation man Everyone, everyone's man, always T- talking up free will. Well, but, I don't but want the, will, it. the will is always free. That's the whole point. The will is always. Free. I will. I guess I, I want. I want to be so enslaved to righteousness Absolutely. that I have no choice Absolutely. but to choose right. So, and so, that is that's true a, freedom. That, that's very yes. Edwardian, you know. Well, well, but in in our first state, we are we can choose to obey or disobey in creation. In redemption, we cannot choose to not sin. In redemption, we can choose to obey or disobey. In glorification, and I like we, I like how yeah. you how you uh, qualify that situationally speaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It you is wanna, situational, right? Because uh, it, it, you know, um, on our own, and, and and when we consider our own state um, in in ourselves, mm-hmm. um, Paul says, "The good that I want to do, that I do not do." That does not mean that Paul, yeah, never does something good. Yep. Speaking of his sanctification, however. Yeah. He's saying something deep there about his. Well, that as was a Paul before he was a Christian. Actually, <laughs> yeah. well, yeah. let's Romans six makes it clear uh, that yeah. that could never be Paul. <laughs> well, well, let's look I, at. I, I want. I want to throw my theological <laughs> shoe at people when I hear that. But let's look at Peter hmm. on the day of Pentecost. He opens his mouth and proclaims the gospel from at least three or four different portions of Psalms, and then 
here he is later, years later. I'm not talking about the next week. Years later, after the conversion of the Apostle Paul, he plays the hypocrite. That's right. So it is a situational thing, and it was a free action. So when we are free in Christ, then that means, it doesn't mean we will always do the right thing, but it means we have the capacity to say yes to righteousness and no to unrighteousness. That's what Paul says in Titus. It is the grace of God that teaches us to say no to all unrighteousness. But we don't always do it. So it is a situational thing. Capacity, I was empowered by the Spirit. Absolutely. It's it's never on its own. It's never disconnected from our union with Christ. Mm -hmm. It's never, it doesn't begin with our fallen nature. It's 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 the fruit and fact of our regenerated yeah. state. Yeah, I like the way um, uh, the writer of Hebrews puts it. It's the, the peaceable fruit of mm, righteousness. I like peaceable that. having to do with the gospel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and fruit is the result of the Spirit's work. And it's righteousness because it's according to the righteousness of the law, which is the defining standard for righteousness. But, but here's the other part of, of uh, question 10. Um, you know, will God therefore, uh, will God suffer such disobedience and rebellion to go unpunished? And here's the reality. No. 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 There is no human sin. There is no human sin under the sun that will, will go unpunished. The question is this. It will be punished. God will, will take out his wrath and, and punish it in the individual, or he has already punished that sin in Christ. That's yep. right. And that's where the the gospel comes in. If we can show men their guilt and what is the just condemnation of their guilt and then show them the beauty of Christ and the fact that Christ has, one, accomplished everything that God has required of you, and two, taken the penalty for all of your failure. That's the gospel. It says here, as a, in the answer, as a just judge, he mm. punishes them now and in eternity. Mm. Would you say that now is death? Yes. Well, yeah, death, death and the sentence of death. Yeah. I think that which we experience even existential. Psalm 90 uh, says, also, uh, under your wrath, we are yes. declining. We're declining. I just read Psalm 90. Yes. It's also like the being given over to... Your depravity. Exactly. Right? The wrath of right. God in Romans 1 is just given over to idolatry to more and more areas of your life. Yeah. Um, which is like interesting because people say that, for example, like in, in Romans 1, they say, well, homosexuality will, will merit the wrath of God. But actually in Romans 1, homosexuality is the wrath of God in the present. Mm. Right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's, that's, that's gangster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's the unfolding. Wait a second, life. wait a second, wait a second. That's controversial. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever. All the, all the, all so the, saying that all was, the recent talk about those things. Well, what, what you're saying, let me break down what you're saying, is that the heterosexual sin before uh, we became homosexuals, we're already deserving of the wrath sure. of God before we got there. Yeah. <laughs> In other words, the sin of heterosexuals was enough to bring yep. down the wrath of God, yeah. which eventually leads even to homosexuality as another exactly. manifestation exactly. of our it's, corruption. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think mm-hmm. that, that, that also, I, I mean, that also helps inform this conversation because I think there's this, in, in the church now, there's this conversation that in Romans 1, this is 
a decline that is consequentially from idolatry. And as opposed to it is yeah. it is some automation. Yeah. Right. It is some automation right. by by procreation. The the Romans road is decline. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously you pick your poison, but it is a declining. It's it's not like uh you're you're we're born we're born with the capacity to to pick our poison. And sometimes a poison picks us. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we, we we pick our poison. Mm. Yeah. We pick our poison, then it then it then it owns us. We pick yeah. our poison from the poison that, that we were born with. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Well, that's about all the time we have for this week. We will continue our journey through the first 21 questions of the Heidelberg Catechism. I know it might be sacrilege for three Baptists and a Presbyterian to be going through the Heidelberg Catechism, but it's good and we love it. We look forward to joining uh, to being with you again next week at the same time. Thank you.